Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Let's pray together. And Lord, we do praise you, for you are worthy of our praise. Indeed, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And Lord, even today, as we celebrate the good and perfect gift of motherhood, we give our praise and honor and glory to you. For Lord, you created all things, and by your will they exist and have their being, and by your will we exist and have our being. And you love us so much that you sent your only Son that we might be redeemed. And so, Lord, stir in us this day a reminder of the deep love you have for us. Let us know that you are with us always. You will not leave us, and you will not forsake us. Now, Lord, you have plans for us that transcend even space and time. And, Lord, we know that in Christ there is life that is full and abundant and everlasting. May we be stirred and encouraged by that great truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mother's Day is one of those days that uh, is such a joy-filled day, and we dress up nice. I mean, I have a special Mother's Day tie. You, you have to know that my wife picked it out and told me to wear it, but it is my special Mother's Day tie, and I've had it for years, and I love it. And today we honor moms, but, but we do so in the context, just like everything else, of a world in which there is the mixture of joy and ache. How many of you have found that the world in which we live is a mixture of joy and ache. Joy at all the great moments that we get to share. Joy at all the mountaintops. Joy at all the wonderful things that God allows us to experience, even in the context of our world today. But days like Mother's Day remind us that there is also ache that accompanies that joy. For many of us, this is a day that is difficult for a whole host of reasons, whether it's difficult because your mom, who you love so dearly, has gone on to glory, and you miss her, or difficult because your relationship with your mom is not what you want it to be, and probably not what she wants it to be. That could be the case. Or, or difficult because you are a mom, and your child has gone off the beaten path, and you're not sure how things are going to turn out. Or difficult maybe because you are yearning for a child, and you've been battling infertility, and dealing with all those realities. Difficult maybe because you've gone through the unbearable, unspeakable pain of having lost a child. Today is a day of joy and a day of ache, and it's a day in which we honor moms. And the title of our message today is Honor Her. And I didn't come up with that. That comes straight out of the Bible from Proverbs 31. And I'm going to read that text to us here in just a minute. Honor her, and that's what we're going to do. I have to admit, I don't know much about being a mom. In fact, I know nothing about being a mom. I've never been one. But for the last 15 years, I have lived in an intensive laboratory setting where I have observed motherhood up close and personal. From the moment we found out that we were going to be parents, I watched my wife transform into the most wondrous of all things. She immediately transformed to become a mom. I mean, she stopped eating lunch meat because apparently there's some sort of bacteria I had never heard of that can affect, and so she just quit. She quit cold turkey without the turkey right? Is it listeria, something like that? I don't know. But she started taking prenatal vitamins, and she started buying books and reading books back when we had these things called books that were on paper, and you bought them at places called bookstores. And she had them, and I mean, we had, they were all over the place. This is how to raise kids. 
And I'm glad somebody wrote a book that was a manual. Now, the manual doesn't always work. In fact, most of it didn't work, but we had a manual. And we even went, my wife wanted us to get headphones for her belly. And these headphones were connected to a microphone because she knew that our baby that was growing, being knit together by the hands of God inside of her womb would hear her voice. How many of you realize that's the first human relationship any of us have is with our mom? That's the first human voice any of us hear is with our mom. And she knew that that baby would hear her voice and she wanted that baby to be able to hear my voice too. So there was a night that she laid down on the couch and we put those baby headphones on her belly and I, I gave it the best radio voice I could give and said, I'm dad, you'll get to know me well. I think that may have been the only time we used them. We still had them when she was pregnant with number two, but as so many things changed with number two, I don't think we ever used them. Anyway, um, but then I watched her be a mom to a little boy. We had a little boy first, and it was amazing to me. You know, if I tried to talk to her about sports, she couldn't care less. She had no interest. That was mundane. That was something to be passed over. Who cares what the sports are? But with my son, as she's dressing him up in cute little outfits and paying outlandish prices for jerseys of every sport, we've learned how expensive soccer jerseys are, you know, that have professional names on them, and how expensive basketball jerseys are and football jerseys. And my wife knows more about professional sports than I've ever cared to know a moment in my life. And it doesn't have anything to do with me, and it doesn't have anything to do with her personal interest in professional sports. It's everything about her baby boy. She knows what shoes are named after who. I walk into the shoe store and I just see a wall of ugly shoes. How many of y'all have come to that point? They're all ugly to me. Mark, I don't know what happened. I've become an old man. I did none of it makes sense, you know? But that's her. And then and then we had our little girl and and how many of you have found boys and girls are different? I know that's groundbreaking assertion these days, but boys and girls really are different. And uh and watching her be a mom to a boy and then watching her be a mom to a girl, like it's totally different. Like they're, they're having conversations that are up here and I live down here. I just don't understand it. They do all the girly things and they have, all, and, and it, it's not some culturally appropriated thing. It's just who they are. God made them. And, and, and then they talk like a lot. They have a lot of words. Both of them have a lot of words, and I love it, and it's wonderful, but I don't have that many words. Yeah, I, my wife wants to know everything. I'm watching a new phase right now. I have a 14-year-old son. Mom, I'm sorry. Let me say publicly on WBKO and a live stream that's going around the world, I'm sorry for being a 14-year-old boy several years ago. And listen, I know I can hear Blake sap in my head, just you wait, right? Because I know 15's coming, and then 16, and they're going to get behind the wheel of a car, and God help us all. And then 17 and 18, and the next steps and emerging. Just pray is all I'm asking. But what's funny is I'm watching this interplay, this interaction. They're just like each other, and I love it. It's hilarious. I just kind of sit back and watch until she looks at me and says, are you going to say anything? Yes, ma'am. So I say something. Son, stop. You know, that kind of a thing. But like she wants to know everything. He went to a, a formal a uh, couple weeks ago. 
And he, he wore, we had to get him a new suit because he's growing, and he's gone into men's sizes now, and adult sizes are more expensive than kid sizes. So we had to go over. She said, should we go to Dillard? I said, let's go to men's warehouse, and we'll let him graduate up in. And we got him a nice suit, and we had to get shoes, and he got a pink tie that he wanted to wear to the formal, and he got himself pink socks that matched the pink tie. It was beautiful. But here's what's funny. She picked him up. And, 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 and I pick him up a lot of days from school, and, and here's my interaction. Did you have a good day? Yeah, good. That's it. We go home. It's great. Here were her questions about the dance, the formal. Who was there? What were they wearing? What, were you overdressed or were you underdressed? Or did you not care about the other? And what about the people who were wearing suits but were wearing tennis shoes? With did you wish you had done that? Did your shoes fit? Did they hurt? Were they too little? Were they too big? Were they awkward? Did you bend them? Did they stay? Did they get scuffed? And, and, and what about the girls? What were they wearing? And who was there? And did anybody dance? And what did you talk about? And who did this? And, and, and what about dinner? Did, how long did you have to wait to get a table? And, and how was the food? Was it good? And who was there? And what did you all talk about at dinner? And, and, and did you have any trouble paying? Did you have enough money? Was everything okay? Did that work out? Did you leave a tip? Did, don't be stingy. Leave a good tip. Did you leave a good tip? And, and, and do you think you'll go next time? And next time, do you think you'll have a date? Or do you think you'll go with just friends again? Or do I, how do you think? I'm sitting back there going, who cares? <laughs> and my son, who's, I can see he's got his hands over his face right now. This is what he's given his mother. Why do you care? I don't know who was there. I don't remember what we talked about. I, don't, I took him to a quarterback camp last weekend in Louisville. We went all the way to Louisville, Kentucky. We went to a local pizza place. We sat there for about two hours because it took forever. It was good, though. We watched TV, all these different sports. My question was, are we in the playoffs or the finals now? Uh, it's playoffs. Do you, which team do you like? That one. Good. We sat there. We went to the hotel. We, we had to go stop by the gas station first. We went to the hotel. We had snacks. We went to bed. We got up. I took him down. We had breakfast. We went to the quarterback camp. We came home. My question was, did you have a good time? His response was, yep, that was it. <laughs> it's just different. But aren't you glad that God gives us moms to care about the details of our lives? Now, at the same time, my, my, my wife and my little girl were having a girls' weekend. And I understand they had a lot of conversations. I've heard all about the conversations they had and listened to most of it. And so, um, but God gives us moms as his gift to show us so many elements of his character. You know that just as mom cares about every detail of your life, so does God care about every detail of your life. One of the gifts that my wife brings to our family is she keeps us all headed in the right direction. We have a calendar we all share. Everybody that has access to an electronic calendar in our house, which is 75% of us right now, we have a calendar that we all share. And she keeps us all headed in the right direction. My mother did that for us. My mother was on every board, baseball, football, basketball. She didn't grow up playing any of those sports. She didn't care, but she cared about her son. And so she joined the boards, and she invested, and she made me work for Phil Moore when I was like nine years old. That's when I started drawing a paycheck, you know, because I had things to do, and I was going to be at the park anyway, and why not? But it's amazing to me. I remember, I think it was last year, my wife looked at me and said, well, what do you want to do Thursday? I said, what are you talking about? She said, Thursday, you want to do anything special? I said, why would we do anything special Thursday? She said, because it's your birthday. I said, oh. 
She cares about the details. She cares about the moments of life. And God, God has given us, you women, as a gift. So the theme of the message today is this. A godly mother is a gift from God. Honor her. A godly mother is a gift from God. Honor her. And in fact, I'm going to read to you the scripture passage from the New International Version, and it's in your notes, in your bulletin, or it's on the flock note. You can just read along. You can also find this in the Pew Bible in front of you, page 552, but it's going to be a little bit different. But this is Proverbs 31, verses 28 through 31. Incidentally, this is the end of an acrostic poem that was taught to King Lemuel by his mother. She gave him an acrostic poem about what sort of wife he ought to look for. And this is how that acrostic poem ends. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And so today we're going to do just that. We're going to honor her. We're going to honor you. Moms and all of you who embrace this gift of motherhood, all of you beautiful women who, who have been created by the very hands of God as the crowning glory of creation. You realize that's what you were? He made the man, saw that it was not good for the man to be alone, and then made the crowning glory of his creation. And I want to I do a little bit of a different message today. I want to give you a thesis paragraph. That's why you don't have points on your notes today. I want to give you a thesis paragraph on what a biblical mom should look like. And then we're going to look at some biblical moms and what they look like. And then we're going to come back and read this again. But here's what I want to assert to you today. What is the picture of biblical motherhood? A biblical mother is a woman who embraces the call of God to nurture children. Whether she has delivered them, fostered them, adopted them, or had them brought across her path by the providential hand of God. She is a mom who isn't perfect, who faces struggles, whose kids do things that absolutely terrify her and drive her to her knees in prayer, who never stops striving, who never stops loving, who never stops making a way for her kids to become all that God wants them to be. If she's married, she seeks to help her imperfect husband become all that God has called him to be. She seeks to build her family up while the world tries to tear them down. She seeks to hold her family together while the world tries to tear them apart. She lives her calling faithfully when it is easy and when it seems impossible. Most importantly, she realizes the greatest heritage she leaves is a heritage of faith in Jesus Christ, and she is relentless in that pursuit, whether she has any help or not. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for what her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. There's our text yet again. But I wanted to give you that thesis as an observation of what we observe from the biblical moms that we see that are, that are expressed all throughout Scripture. And we start with Eve. 
The word Eve literally sounds like the Hebrew for life giver. She is the mother of all the living. And remember that after the whole fruit eating incident and having been expelled from the garden, Eve was given the name Eve, that she would become the mother of all. We have a same common mom. She's our grandma to the nth degree. And we know she wasn't perfect, remember? Neither was Adam. They were given one rule. They broke it. Therefore, we live in a sin-fallen world today. But then God gave her children. And what happened with those children? She had to watch as out of jealousy, one of her children took the life of another of her children. And yet she persevered. She persevered in faith. She persevered in trust. She persevered in love. She is the life giver, the mother of all the living. And we think about Noah's wife. Think about Noah's wife. Noah had a hard task. Noah's wife had a hard task because Noah had been tasked by God to build a boat in the middle of the desert. And for all those years, you know Noah faced ridicule by people who neither trusted God nor thought he had any sense. And here's his wife right there with him, helping him, raising those boys, raising that family, being mom to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And incidentally, we think about their wives as well, because when the floods came, what happened? Who were the ones that were spared? It was Noah and his wife and Shem and Ham and Japheth and their wives, and they went into the ark. And for over a year, they were in there, in there with their mother-in-law and their sisters-in-law and their husbands and brothers-in-law and father-in-law. God blessed them. But do you know all of us can trace our lineage to one of those three women? We can trace our lineage to the wife of Noah because God has brought us forth through them. We honor them. We think about Sarai, whose name would become Sarah. And we think about this long and difficult journey that she faced with infertility. And you remember that when she was 65 years old, God came and made a promise that she would have a baby. She's 65 years old. She struggled with infertility her whole life. She's not sure if she has it in her to even get excited about the thought of trying again. And yet God made a promise. God made a promise that through her offspring, the whole world would be blessed. And and we know that Jesus is the seed to which God was referring. And through the seed of Sarah and Abraham, we have been blessed through the Savior who opens his arms to the whole world and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. God has blessed us through Sarah. What about Rebecca? She was the wife of Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah, and she struggled with infertility. Incidentally, let me say this. If you are struggling with infertility, recognize. First, recognize all these women that we're talking about in the Bible, okay? And know that whether you are sharing your struggle or suffering in silence, God loves you. We love you. We're praying for you. But I want you to hear that God's plans don't always come at our timing. And God's plans don't always come in the way that we think they will. But our God sees us. In fact, that's one of his names in the Old Testament. He is my God who sees me. God knows. God hasn't given up on you, so don't you give up on you. But Rebecca, who was told after her struggle with infertility as she became pregnant with twins that there were two nations within her womb. There was Esau and there was Jacob. 
And you remember the struggle between Jacob and Esau and that the older would serve the younger and Esau was born and he was wrinkled and red and hairy, bless his heart. He was so hairy that it took a goat skin to cover up Jacob when mama sent Jacob in to go fool daddy to get the blessing. Do you remember? That must have been one hairy dude. But Rebecca persevered. And then look at Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel. And, and we know that, that they struggled within themselves. They struggled with infertility too. But we know that, that God, and this was a different culture. They had multiple wives. We don't do that today. But we know that God loved Leah. And she became the mother of Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah and all of whom were given her by the Lord. God loved Rachel. Rachel struggled with infertility. Out of the 12 tribes, she was, she was the biological mother of the last two, Joseph and Benjamin. And then she died in childbirth with Benjamin. In fact, she said that he should be named Ben-Onai, which is son of my suffering. But Jacob intervened and said, no, he shall be called Benjamin, son of my right hand. These were faithful women who loved their sons and loved their daughter. We get to some of my absolute heroes. Jochebed. Do you know Jochebed? You need to know Jochebed. Jochebed is wife to Amram. You know her as Moses' mom. How many of you, as you've become parents, have your own identity fades away into you're so-and-so's mom, you're so-and-so's dad? Isn't that it? I mean, I even have kids. Hi, Griffin's dad. Hi, Reagan's dad. Don't you understand? Like, I've been to school and stuff. And I lead things and, you know, but I'm dad. And it's okay to be dad. It's okay to be mom. But I'm going to tell you, there was a godless decree from a godless king who said that all the little Hebrew baby boys ought to be killed. And I thank God. We know the names of two Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, because they chose to live in civil disobedience to the king's evil decree that they should kill baby boy Hebrew kids. They said no, and God honored them. God honored them because they refused to carry out the evil order of the evil king. And then there's Jochebed, who had been told that if she were to deliver a boy, that boy had to die, but she said no. And she contended for the life of her child, and she hid him. And in, when she couldn't hide him anymore, what did she do? She trusted God, put him in a basket, and floated him down the Nile. And, and here's what's so amazing as she entrusted her precious baby to God, what did God do? God raised up a woman to become the adoptive mother of this baby boy. Is that not amazing? Who was that woman? It was the daughter of the king who had decreed that this boy ought to die. But God delivered this baby into the hands of the daughter of Pharaoh. And the Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter looked at him and said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. And you know what it says about uh, Pharaoh's daughter's feelings toward him? It said she took pity on him. And she took him up. She said, I'll raise him as my own. And she told one of her servants to go find a Hebrew woman to come and be his nurse. And guess who the Hebrew woman was? It's Jochebed. And she came, and when the time came for the child to be weaned, he moved into Pharaoh's household, and he was raised by the daughter of the very king who had decreed that he should die. That is God beating Satan with his own stick. I love it. 
But these women are heroes to me because they contended for the life of this baby, this Shifra and Pua, these midwives who said, we will do what God wants no matter what the king says. This mother, Jochebed, who I'm sure looked into the eyes of her husband, Amram, at some point and said, you know, the king says he should die, but I'm willing to put my life on the line so that he can live. And she did. And God honored her. And what did God do with her sacrifice to pour into that baby? Well, he raised up a guy who's pretty important. They've even made animated movies about him. His name is Moses. And he was God's instrument in delivering God's people from the, from the evil, wicked hand of slavery in Egypt. These women are my heroes. Or it's Hannah. Hannah, who struggled with infertility and who prayed earnestly to the Lord for a child, who would say when Samuel was born, for this child I have prayed, and then she dedicated him into the service of the Lord. And Samuel would become pretty important, wouldn't he? He would be the one to anoint the first kings over Israel. If we fast forward to the New Testament, we hear about Elizabeth. Who was Elizabeth? Well, she was Zechariah's wife, and they struggled with infertility for a long time. To the point that when the news came that they were going to have a child, they found it humorous. They couldn't understand. They're too old. God couldn't do this. Don't ever tell God what he can and can't do. God used her to deliver John the Baptist, who would come in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. And then we remember Mary. Mary, when the angel visited her and she couldn't understand what all this would look like, what did she say? Mike Jones read it to me out in the hallway as we prayed as deacons. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Let me share one more time what I shared at the beginning, this little thesis paragraph. Now that we've seen some Biblical examples of biblical motherhood. A biblical mother is a woman who embraces the call of God to nurture children. Whether she has delivered them or fostered them or adopted them or had them brought across her path by the providential hand of God, teachers, coaches, mentors, thank you. Thank you. My goodness, thank you. She is a mom who isn't perfect because none of us are. She faces struggles. Her kids do things that absolutely terrify her and drive her to her knees in prayer. But she never stops striving. She never stops loving. She never stops making a way for her kids to become all that God wants them to be. If she's married, she seeks to help her imperfect husband become all that God has called him to be. She seeks to build her family up while the world tries to tear them down. She seeks to hold her family together while the world tries to tear them apart. She lives her calling faithfully when it is easy and when it seems impossible. Most importantly, she realizes the greatest heritage she leaves is a heritage of faith in Jesus Christ, and she is relentless in that pursuit whether she has any help or not. And as a result... Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. 
But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for what her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So moms, on behalf of all of us, we honor you. We thank God for you. We love you. And we're going to do exactly what God says. To honor you for your works bring you praise at the city gate. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for helping us become who we are and who God made us to be. Thank you for your relentless love. Thank you for never giving up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the gift of godly moms, and we pray that they would know how very dearly loved they are. And we pray, Lord, we pray for those for whom this day is a day of great aching. Stir us to the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ that this world is not all there is, but that in Jesus Christ there is a better world to come when there will be only joy and no more ache. And so, Lord, we look to you. We trust you, and we will follow you as we live out the faith that you taught so many of us through godly moms. Help us be faithful as you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.